Hey there, players. I'm Scott Silver. I've spent the last quarter century as a real estate attorney and as an investor. I've met a lot of great people along the way, and I can't wait to introduce you to them. These are the specialists. They're the people that do one special thing. And I'm going to find out exactly what they do and how they and others in their profession can help you succeed in real estate. Some of them provide a service that you'll need on every real estate deal. Others, you'll hope you'll never need, but when you do need them, you'll be glad you know they exist and you heard about them here. Welcome to Real Estate, What's the Deal? The podcast that shines a light on the service professionals without whom commercial real estate deals wouldn't happen. So what's the deal with appraisals and appraisers? I have here Bob Hara. He is the finest, longest running, most sophisticated uh, appraiser I've ever known. Uh, He was probably the first appraiser I ever met or heard of for commercial properties when I started doing uh, commercial property real estate work as a lawyer 25 years ago. Bob, thanks so much for agreeing to join me here and to uh, educate me and my guests about the world of appraisals. Holy cow, has it been 25 years? Yeah, I'm afraid so. (laughs) I'm afraid so, buddy. Can you tell me, you know, if if little Bobby Hara um, was on the playground and told his friends he wanted to be an appraiser. Is that, is that the way it went? <laughs> so I went to college at USC, you know, in the late 80s. And back then, for those of you who are old enough, um, the real estate market or the real estate industry was the dot-com industry of Southern California. I mean, developments, I mean, everything was huge back then. Um, so when I was a senior at SC, I was thinking, wow, real estate, but do I have the broker mentality? No, I'm not really wired for that. Do I want to be a lender? Hmm. And so I took an appraisal course, and there was a great professor. His name was Bert Thornton. He was the grand poobah of the appraisal industry of all of the United States at the time, out of based out of Chicago. And um, he was a big player here in Southern California. I remember during his last few classes, I really enjoyed the courses. He said, hey, if you're looking for a job this summer, I'm very well networked in the appraisal industry. And um, it's a great way to get your foot in the door. Um, You learn valuation, which is the key to anything in real estate. You might want to give it a whirl. And Mm -hmm. so he got me my first job in West L.A. And um, I kind of stuck with it. Tell me about the firm that you work for. Is it a pretty large firm, one of the larger firms around? What's the name of it? The name of our firm is Curtis Rosenthal. Um, We've been in business since 1983, um, based out of the LAX area. We have four MAIs on staff, and I would say 12 staff appraisers. So we're a medium-sized shop. Um, We pretty much cover financing-related appraisals. Uh, we work with CPAs and attorneys for estate planning, for death taxes, for gifting. And then uh, we also have a segment that deals with public agency work um, that we deal with the various agencies like the MTA, the general services for city of LA. And I've got all the, the players, kind of like a basketball team. 
got your point guard, your 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 power forward, your center. I've got appraisers that cover all those different um, segments. It's a specialty that uh, we've learned to diversify our staff instead of just focusing on financing. How can we be a good client using uh, the services of an appraiser? What's the things that appraisers don't like about their clients doing or do like? How can we be a good client? Let's say, for instance, you come to me with, with an appraisal assignment, and then we should have a discussion as to whether or not we're qualified to take on the job. You have that conversation, and we have a discussion of the scope of work. So if you brought me, hey, Bob, I've got an owner-user industrial building that I need evaluation on. We could talk about, well, it's really, you know, Scott, it's based on a sales comparison approach only. We, you know, and we can help put together the report, the scope. And I, and a good appraiser should always ask you, hey, Mr. Silver, what do you think, you know, what's your opinion of value of the property? I think a borrower or a property owner or a client should always have that healthy discussion just to talk about their expectations about, you know, valuation. It just kind of lays the foundation for, for the assignment moving into the job. I think a good client also provides their knowledge of the neighborhood and market data. I tell appraisers, you're good at what you do, our staff, you're good at what you do, but you should really be open to listen to people that are bringing the job to you. That's where I come into the whole um, equation when it comes to these assignments. Um, I'm the one talking to the client up front. You know, I, I kind of like hash out the issue. For instance, the other day, uh, uh, um, we had a client call about, they're talking about selling their property and we'd like to get an appraisal. But then I talked, I said, you know, sir, unless you really have to get an appraisal, I don't think it's a good idea for you to order one. And yeah, you know, I could tell there's a pregnant pause on his end, like, why shouldn't I order an appraisal? And I said, in the current market, it is super hot right now. And to be honest, we're going to put together an appraisal because of this cash-rich environment. Our appraisal will probably come in a little conservative. You've always heard that, God, the appraiser came in short. But with this cash-rich environment, it's almost like eBay, where People are just throwing cash and causing this bidding situation. And I told the guy, you know what? Just talk to a broker. Get a BPO. Unless you really need an appraisal, don't order one. Go talk to a broker. He'll give you a better idea of what the property will sell for. You say BPO. A BPO is a broker uh, opinion of value or broker. What is it? BPO, broker's price opinion. Or you probably also heard the term BOV, a broker's okay. opinion of value. Right. And so just like uh, an appraisal, people feel are generally on the conservative side and, and go for a lower valuation. The broker's value, in my experience, are always high because they want to encourage the owner to sign a listing agreement to sell the property with the broker. But what's interesting is, you know, they're, they're motivated to set in that situation. They were motivated to sell. And I don't want to hold them back with my, you know, $4,000 for me to tell them it's worth X amount of dollars. I go, sir, if you throw it out on the market, especially if it's an industrial property, and you get those situations where they're in one of those cannabis 
friendly zones. You've mm-hmm. ever heard that? I go, the sky's the limit. I could probably give you a value, but in all reality, it, it might sell for 20% more than what I appraise it for. Who knows? I always tell clients, have a good conversation with the appraiser, find out if he's qualified, and then ask questions like, how many, you know, how many of these industrial buildings have you appraised in Culver City? I mean, you want to make sure that you're getting the expert in that market. And, you know, you've heard that term USPAP or the universal standards of professional appraisal practices are our are, are, are guidelines for uh, appraisal work. One of the uh, the mantras in there says that you can appraisers should only take on a job that they feel competent in. Don't take a job where you know it might be a train wreck. So I always tell clients ask those questions, and I'll I'll be very upfront and honest with people. Hey Bob, can you appraise this gas station? No, mm-hmm. we don't know how to do it. But I've got a friend that um, is an expert that you probably want to talk to. On, on the most part, most appraisers will be upfront and they'll be very honest with you with what they can do. So how do I find an appraiser that's an expert in my market? Do I just always have to call Bob and uh, ask him if he knows someone? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's through your relationships. Um, if you have a banker that you work with or a mortgage banker, if um, I get referrals through brokers, um, through lenders, through... And just word of mouth. If you call me and we're a great fit, you know, we'll provide our quote and services. But if I know it's not a fit, you know, as well as I, as me, that having a very strong network of people is, is huge in this industry. I, I find that a lot of appraisers, if they're not qualified, they refer the expert. Um, you know what? I can't do the self storage facility, but I know mm-hmm. someone that can. Here's their information. And, um, yeah, my motto in, in this industry, there's plenty of sand in the sandbox for all of us to play in. Just, you know, be honest with your clients and the work will come to you. So there's not like a, an easy uh, place to find the right appraiser so much as you need to call around and uh, ask, ask people for referrals, especially, and like you said, if you, get an, if you can find an appraiser in the business who follows the, the guiding principle that you just discussed, then if they're not the expert, hopefully they'll be uh, straight up with you about it and send you to the right appraiser. Correct. You think there'd be like a 1-800-DENTIST kind of thing, like right. an appraiser thing, but there isn't. Yeah. But if you talk to real estate professionals, they're all linked in together. I always find the client will find the right person. Can you tell me about uh, our appraisal reports? They're often very long, but usually everyone just wants to flip to the page and says, what's the bottom line? What's the, you know, what's the number? Uh, I don't care about the different. I know there's different manners of valuation, uh, and you can tell me about those methods. There's, I, uh, I think, three or four of them. What sort of uh, reports can I ask for? Is there a menu of standard reports, the, the quickie, the short, the long? What, what do we have? For a single-family asset, um, you can get the property appraised on, on a single family form, like a three page form. It's pretty straightforward and it's based on a sales comparison approach. You know, if you're shopping, you're out shopping for a car and you're going to start looking at listings of cars, it's, it's the same, same concept for apartments. You could do them on a form report 
or you can do them on a form report, whether it be like a duplex or a quadruplex or up to like a 70 unit apartment building. Um, the advantage of, the, of those reports are they're cost effective for the property owner. Does the same thing as the narrative. We prepare narrative appraisal reports, which you're talking about. The narrative reports are typically for commercial properties or a little bit more complex type situations. Um, notice that the apartments and, and the houses are they're pretty vanilla if you think about the analysis. So you can get them on a form. Way back when I first started, there used to be the summer report, the self-contained report, and then they had this whole matrix of um, complete self-contained, limited self-contained. It was just so confusing. I would get confused. Mm -hmm. In fact, I think the lenders, everyone got confused. The uh, use path is said, hey, let's make this a lot more simplified. There's an appraisal report. And then there's a restricted report. There's no longer summer reports and complicated narratives that we used to do. What makes things complicated on the finance end is the lenders will have their requirements. This is what we need to see in the report. And so you get these bank appraisals. You're like, oh, my God. It's just going on and on and on and on. Where a restricted report get to the real meats, meat and potatoes of, of valuation. So there's two different types of reports. And depending on the situation, the finance report, that's just dictated by the lender, the format. But for work for estate planning or for, um, for gifting, the appraiser should really work with the clients and understand the client's needs. So if it's the, going back to that owner-user industrial building, we can value that property based on a sales comparison approach only. Um, there are three traditional approaches to valuing in the appraisal world. There's the cost approach. What would it cost to build this building and depreciate the improvements? Voila, we get a value based on the cost approach. Um, there's the sales comparison approach we discovered, what would comparable properties sell for, and then there's the income approach. What's the value of the income stream that's being spun off by this uh, property, and we capitalize the net operating income to come up with a value? The cap rates that you apply, doesn't that just go right back to the sale approach where you're looking at other sales and seeing what cap rate are other buyers buying? How I never understood how the income approach is really any different on, on commercial properties where sales are driven off of cap rates. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely correct. We get our cap rates from the sales that are being, you know, mm -hmm. so let's say we're looking at a grocery anchor shopping center on Ventura Boulevard, and we're going to be looking at other comparable shopping centers, um, sales that are happening. But then you always notice the difference in the cap rates. and a cap rate is really a, a measurement of the, in, the, the quality of the income, if it's at market, if it's above or below market, the quality of the tenants, you know, is it a mom and pop tenant or is it a, um, you know, national AAA graded tenant and the duration of an income stream, you know, is it a month to month? Is, is the center 
made up primarily of month-to-month tenants or short-term tenants? Or do we have a single-tenant, 30-year, you know, guaranteed lease with extensions? So that cap rate measures risk. And so when you're looking at those sales, you have to, like, take that sale apart and look at the tenants, you know, look at the center, look at the tenants that sold, look at the occupancy. You got to look at that income stream. And then you compare it to the income stream that of the property that you're appraising. Yeah, so I can see how there's adjustments. It's not just because three different shopping centers sell at a six and a half cap in the same neighborhood doesn't mean you're going to, as appraiser, value the subject property at six and a half because you may have a better credit tenant on a longer term lease. So it would likely achieve a lower cap rate. So that's what you would apply. Correct. Exactly. I mean, we, we kind of see what's going on in the market just to get a benchmark. And then we look at our at our income stream. It, it is really a function of analyzing the, the tenant mix that's there. AAA graded tenant, good. You know, mom and pops, okay. Above market rents, not so good. You know, it's, you've got a risky income. Below market rents, you'll always see a low cap rate because that's a safe income stream. And it, it also tells the investor there's an upside to uh, potential of raising those rents back up to market. You know, you were talking before about when you're valuing a commercial property, especially on the, on the income approach, you would um, perhaps assume a lower cap rate, meaning a, a higher price and I guess a corresponding lower risk to a national credit tenant versus a mom and pop, you know, what we call mom and pop, a local owner. I don't know whether this is a, you know, whether that's just done generally or whether there's actually a restriction that you really have to follow that. Because I also think we should weight the credit of a tenant based on how long they've been in business, you know, and maybe how many other stores they have around. Because the national credit tenants, they'll close their doors in a minute. You know, I mean, if, if a store is not working out versus a mom and pop who's invested and been there a long time, I think they're a lot lower credit risk. And we're seeing that a lot during this COVID environment where the big national retailers are rethinking their position on the amount of space that they've leased. And if you really read their leases, everyone reads their leases, but... If you really read their leases, there are some out clauses with some of these tenants. There's always a discussion on how a cap rate can be derived. And I always feel that the market's going to dictate that. I mean, we're really going to look at Then You're right. You look back at the sales. Um, we also talk to brokers in the industry who are dealing with, with um, the sales of these properties about, hey, we're appraising this property, you know, and this is the cap rate that we're we're thinking of using. And that's a, that that's what a good appraiser should do is to test the waters with their assumptions with the players in the market. Has your firm had to appraise any office properties in the last year, maybe by lenders that were thinking about their losses or foreclosing or whatnot? So hospitality, office, mm-hmm. not really on our radar screen, although mm-hmm. we just had an assignment with a local bank on a purchase of a smaller office property, which made me just, uh, I was like, where did this come from? But it was a small mom and pop office. 
Um, you know, so which kind of made sense. And they were all, they're fully occupied. And okay, there's a story behind it. No, we haven't really touched uh, any any big high rises or, or anything like that. We and and is it's interesting. I've only seen a very ha- small handful of workout or asset management assignments. Mm-hmm. I mean, not a ton. Um, everyone, you know, everyone who's been through those cycles have been kind of wondering. Oh my God, the floodgates are going to open. But it's Southern California real estate's been even like with some of the high end apartments that you're seeing, you know, where rents are just off the charts pre COVID. I think they're going back to where they should be, you know, to a normal level. I mean, people are screaming, Oh my God, rents are softening. But I'm like, I think it's their rents are going back to where they should be. It's not like the, the sky's falling or anything. So I just have uh, one last question for you. It comes from what happened to me recently on my on a four unit building that I own. Oh, good God! No, no, it wasn't. It wasn't you guys. It was uh, it was another appraiser. And um, it's my question is: Is there a prohibition against lenders sharing the draft appraisal when it comes to them? To sharing it with the borrowers so that I can try and correct mistakes. I mean, there were factual mistakes about my, my property. And then in addition, the comps that were chosen were just ridiculous. Some of them were so out of area. You know, you're choosing uh, Beverly Grove, you know, where I am, which is, I mean, an amazingly, you know, high value area just off 3rd Street to uh, East Hollywood. I mean, just ridiculous. The property type, totally different. Is, is there a prohibition against borrowers having some input on the draft before it's made final? Because my lender said, well, unfortunately, it, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. So each lender that you work with has got their, their process. And yeah, it's funny. So um, if we were to get, so if we were to get an appraisal assignment, let's call it ABC bank and you're mm-hmm. the borrower the only thing that I can really do with you is set up the inspection, have me, you know, show me around the property, but I deliver the report to the lender because my relationship with the assignment is with the lender. Um, so that's your typical process. However, in your situation, yeah, you always get the appraisal once your loans closed. You're like, what in the world is this? And so I tell, you know, to help mitigate that up front, when you meet the appraiser um, on site, and I tell our appraisers, you know, don't shut down the borrower or the property owner on information that they could provide you. You know, you're a good appraiser, but you're not that good. The definition of that is, I, I tell people, it's okay to provide data to the appraiser as long as it looks reasonable or the way you present the data is, hey, I know you're doing your research on sales and, and rents in the area, you know, Mr. Appraiser, but could you just consider these? You know, so at least you get your your point across to the appraiser with some market data. That's part one. Part two, that whole process, yeah, and the mentality of the bank is, well, I don't want Mr. Silver to have a draft of the report because in some situations, we've seen the borrower take that report and run to lender B. 
they're not happy. They run the lender B. Hey, look, I got an appraisal. What do you think? And as lender A is working on the job, lender B gets the appraisal. Could be a hard money lender. Someone that'll do it fast. You know, so they, they want to protect what they've got going on. I always tell people that if they're not happy with the appraisal, you know, take a look at it. And then you could, you know, that data that maybe you didn't present it the first time around. I tell the property owners, present data, present an opinion of value. And you can, you can, you have all the right to present your, your lender's contact. Hey, here's some factual errors that are just wrong. Your, your loan officer, your, your relationship person should go back to the appraisal department. I mean, if it's legitimate stuff, in our shop, we'll we'll take a look at it. We've had people like you come to us, the appraisers, like, hey, hey, this, you know, this is not right. I go, do me a favor, go through the proper channels. Because you guys will get your loan or the broker will get their hand slapped, you know, if if you guys kind of cause some ways. But if we don't follow that protocol as the appraiser, we get kicked off the list. I would say go back to the lender and just go, this isn't right. I found smaller community banks are, are a lot more open to those things where if you're dealing with a larger institution, that red tape's pretty tough, depending on who you're dealing with. I always thought, and I want you to correct me if I'm wrong, that appraisers are in a unique position of uh, providing a prof- professional service that I really don't see how they can get sued because they're providing an opinion. You know, although like lawyers provide opinions and, you know, if we're if we're seriously wrong on the law, people really get hurt and uh, lawyers get sued. Do appraisers ever get sued? Do you guys ever have liability for anything? Yeah, absolutely. The biggest one I've seen, but we haven't, we, thank God we haven't, is not understanding the subject property, a.k.a. the building area. I mean, that's just a factual if the building is 10,000 square feet, it's yeah. 10,000 feet, but the appraiser might have reported for 8,000 feet. I mean, that's a factual error, and that's where I've seen appraisers get sued. I must don't understand that circumstance. I mean, if they're just the appraiser, if they provide the report, well, I guess if they provide the report to a lender, I guess if the owner doesn't correct it, how would eventually, I guess, eventually on foreclosure, the lender would go, oh, this property, we, we loaned too much money on it. Now we got a loss on the loan because you guys didn't provide a proper appraisal because you undervalued the, the real estate. I haven't seen that with an FDIC lender more than maybe a hard money lender or like, you know, an, an unregulated lender where all of a mm-hmm. sudden the lawsuits might go a little, I mean, they become a little bit more frequent. Thank God we've never had that situation, but I've seen that. Well, Bob, thanks so much for your time. I appreciate it. I know the listeners appreciate hearing from one more voice that uh, is in the industry that doesn't get heard, heard from enough. And uh, it's been a pleasure. And I wish you uh, happy fishing with your fishing rods up there. I want to I hear about some big fish that you caught soon. Absolutely. <laughs>